people to understand that there's so much to life whether you're the CEO or the janitor given everything you do at 150% will change your mindset and your perception of what you're doing oh you want to know me well I'm the man that you knew now you know all right welcome to the now or never podcast all things entrepreneurship people who just take life and kick it square in the ass I am Tim Rexius I'm your host um, my beautiful wife Brittany is actually running a shop for us today because she's a badass and covers when people are sick so I could keep uh, doing these things for you guys um, she's told me since she's not on this episode that I'm probably going to lose half my viewership. So let's prove it wrong. Um, you know, we've been doing some different things with the podcast. If you've been following us for the last year and a half, two well, year and a half that we've been doing this, um, and certain messages we're trying to keep shorter and on point. And this one's called "Don't Give Up." I'm going to give you some stories that motivate me of some different entrepreneurs that have done well and talk about your circle. Um, you know. And one quick thing, like I know you guys heard this on, if you listen to Frisella's podcast, you know, it's like, listen, I, I do, we don't charge for this stuff. We've had well over a million minutes watched on YouTube, finding out we have had several million minutes listened to on, on the audio stations, which sounds like a lot. And it is to me, but um, it's really not, relatively speaking, depending on how many millions of people you are out there. Uh, so please do me a favor, subscribe, like, share, give us a five-star rating on whatever platform it is you watch. Go to timrexius.com. That's T-I-M-R-E-X-I-U-S.com. Links to all the sites. Otherwise, you can find us on Now or Never Podcast on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, you name it. Otherwise, follow me at Timothy underscore D underscore Rexius on Instagram. I, I post all my shit there too. Anyways, um, I put a post on my Instagram the other day about my honor code. And your honor code is going to determine whether or not you're the type of person that gives up. So here's my honor code. My ambition may scare most and give the impression of arrogance, but I do this, but do not be fooled as all this, all that I do is done with dignity and respect because of my personal honor code, which is to achieve what no one thought was possible. Do it with honor and integrity and bring as many other people out with me as possible. You can be successful and wealthy without being ruthless and stepping on others to get there. So find a way to feed your soul and feed your pocketbook at the same time. And you'll win. Now, who you have around you, and I mean, Nick Langer and I spoke on this in the last podcast, is, is crucial to that. So if you're the type of person that has that honor code that does not give up, to do things with integrity and honor and dignity, then who's around in your circle is hugely massive because that's going to affect how you approach things because we're going to get thrown curveballs. Nothing ever works out the way it's supposed to. You will fail more times than you succeed. So this honor code is, dig- is literally setting up what your doctrine is, what your creed is. And you need to figure out what that is. You just read mine. It's, it's simplified. It's not, not terribly complicated. I'm going to be successful. Failure is not an option for me. Failure is a teacher, which you've heard a thousand people try to pilot other people's shit from that. <laughs> and I'm saying, but it, for me, it's not, it's a learning, uh, it's a learning phase. Yoda, Star Wars, uh, failure is the greatest teacher. And I'm not going to do it in the accent because my wife's not here to laugh at my joke. So, um, but people in your circle need to respect, appreciate, and support the attitude of, uh, or they can't be in your circle. So how can you figure out who's the right people in your circle that you allow to be close to you and affect your life if you don't even know, you haven't defined what your circle is? Mine is I won't give up. Success is not an option. It's the inevitable. I just got to find a way to get there. And that's my circle. So I told my son as he was getting some shit in school the other day, I said, you know, Shev, for you guys who's listening, hold my hand up, five. 
really tight people that you can confide in that will call you on your shit and still love you no matter what. There needs to be five, five or less. Any more than that, they're acquaintances or you're leaving yourself vulnerable to people who pretend to be friends but aren't. So if they don't match that honor code, it's, it's giving up part of your doctrine, your creed, because their creed doesn't match. Some people like to give up, right? Some people just will be like, hey, no, I'll find something easier. There's an easier path. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to do this, that. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not judging them as far as, as, a, as a person. You're still respected. I'm judging you as far as not you can be in my circle and have your, your thought and view of life affect my mission. So we spoke of this last week with Nick. People who like to take the easy way. Right now, for me, this is, this is in a, I'm going to say this, this is my obsessing people. If you have the ability to work, but you are collecting a free check instead, I don't judge you on your personal. You're respected by me no matter what. It takes a lot to lose my respect. You have to be like mean to people or old people or kick animals. And then that's then I won't, then I won't, or kids. And then I won't respect you. But other than that, like I give everyone inherently respect. Everyone does. They don't have to agree with my, my lifestyle. They don't have to agree with my creed. Um, you just got to respect it. And I respect yours, even if it's not the same. But if you're the type of person that we've offered a job to or somebody else offered a job to and you said, no, I'm getting free money from the government, I'm not going to work. When there are millions of people right now out of work or out of business that would kill for your opportunity, I don't judge you as a person. You still respect you, but you can't be in my circle because that kind of attitude is a cancer to my goals in life. So there's nothing wrong with saying that. And I've said this to several people's face and they get shocked. They might get mad. They won't say it to me, but then that's fine. I know where my goals lie are not in the same path as somebody who's okay with that in their own honor code. I can never take something for free if I could earn it. Not when there's other people that need it more than you do, especially if you live here in Nebraska and Omaha, we've been pretty lucky. We have the lowest unemployment, I think in the nation right now, um, or damn close. I don't agree with what a lot of things our state is doing, but regardless, like there, we've been very blessed to be in here with not nearly as many shutdowns or nearly as many uh, rules and regulations. And so if you're just collecting that check where somebody in New York is not as, as uh, not as lucky as you are, somebody in Florida, somebody in Texas, somebody in California, somebody in certain States that are, or higher populations aren't as, as lucky as you are to have an opportunity and you piss it away because you would rather sit on your ass playing PlayStation and, and uh, pretending to be a business person that's just collecting a check from the government, then you can't be in my circle. So, and part of the reason I led to that is I don't want you to give up right now. Shit's not easy. Shit is hard, but it's always hard. There's always things going on in the economy. There's always things going on in the world. It's exacerbated right now because of social media and 24 hour news stations who literally are selling ratings. Let's be honest. Like you get the fringe elements of different political parties, especially in election year, especially during the pandemic. They give them the microphone because it's the most shocking. Then you watch the damn thing, whether you hate them or love them, you still watch it because you're pissed or you're in love. And then you give them ratings and they make money. It's, it's really not that hard to figure out why they do it. And we like good little sheeple just pay attention and watch whether we hate them. I mean, was it, um, how many people, they have more people like Howard Stern when he was first coming up, he was a shock jock, right? He had like 9.8 million listens or something. You can actually watch the movie. And 7 million were people who hated him, who were waiting to find something to bitch about. The other 2.8 million were people who actually liked him. Either way, it still led to 9.8 million listeners, which made him the number one uh, jockey anywhere in New York at the time. So it doesn't matter. They're selling drama. But so for me, I look at other people who've done phenomenal things on shoestring budgets because I didn't come from family money. 
I wasn't given anything. I had to earn the hell out of this. I couldn't even get bank loans when I started Rexius. I had to go to investors and give up parts of my companies. Um, and thank God they it was a low amount of money, respectively. And and I'm a really good damn salesman. So they bought my resume and my drive. And I had to give up a company. I mean, I could have kept all that money, which now 10 years later equals a shitload of money if a banker would have got a loan or if I had any family money at all, but I didn't. So I, I mean, there are some people, I'm going to tell some stories that had some family money, but it wasn't the amount that you think it is. So um, Frederick Smith started a FedEx. Now he was in Yale, I believe 1962. We're not talking a great time of, of economic. I mean, you you got post-World War II, you're, uh, you're heading into some terminal times, you're about to head into Vietnam, where there's a lot of different things. Technology is changing rapidly. And so as he's at Yale, he writes this paper about FedEx, that they start using even airplanes and whatnot for shipping smaller packages, make it even faster. And I believe the Yale University... Uh, professors when I read previously in a different article gave him a C and said nobody would ever use when they have a United States Postal Service. Yeah, because we know how great they are. Um, post guys are awesome. My post guy is the greatest guy on the planet. But as a company, like it's it's not well run because it's the government and the government can't run shit. So anyways, um, he said he'd do it anyway. So he took a $4 million inheritance, which is a lot of money, especially in 1962. Now, $4 million is $4 million. Now, I've seen a lot of trust fund babies dwindle that shit, take their earnings, sit on their ass, get drunk, do drugs, do nothing with their life. So I can always applaud somebody who takes whatever they have and multiply it exponentially. So he got $4 million inheritance, somehow secured an $80 million loan, started out with eight planes covering 35 cities, uh, plans to add each more each month. That was by 1971. Two years later, there are millions of dollars in debt. I believe their first week, they shipped two packages, one from a customer and one to themselves. And all Frederick Smith said was, oh, great. We've learned how to ship two packages. Now we need to learn how to multiply. And I love that attitude. But you get two years later, and he's in millions in debt. So he took his last, the last $5,000 is all the company had left. Went to Vegas. I do not suggest this disclaimer. Gambled, won 27 grand came back, which gave them enough operating capital for a week. And the thing is, it didn't make a whole lot of difference, but it changed his attitude because he felt like something was on his side. He was able to secure more money. And over the next year or two, he was able to raise another $11 million. And so you get this, 1971, five years later, it took five years before they returned a profit. By 1976, they had a first profit of $3.6 million. A few years later, when public and ever, ever since then, they were talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And I can tell you, Rhinorexia, we use FedEx a lot because God, they do well. And it, that's an, a, a story that guy had 5,000 bucks, turned it to 27,000 at Vegas. Again, my wife would never let me do this because I'm way too excitable. I got the math in my head, but I get pumped up and then I lose money. Um, and just as a way to float a week to find another way. And if he had stopped in 1973 when this happened, Guys, it's 2020. They wouldn't be one of the premier, most dominant, largest shipping companies in the entire world. So there are some people out there right now I know that have 500 bucks or 5,000 bucks thinking, I can't do shit with this. And I get it. Um, and there's some of you guys can't scratch two pennies together. But it doesn't mean it's not possible. It just means you need to find a different way. Colonel Sanders. Now, you guys heard us about Colonel Sanders. I did a little more research on Colonel Sanders. Dude was born in 1890. Actually, uh, was serving fast food chicken at a chicken restaurant uh, uh, back during the Great Depression. He sold insurance. He sold, I think he sold vacuums. He worked at a filling station. And so he started his first restaurant, I believe, in uh, 1952. And, and people think that's a story. No, he went bankrupt. 
they actually closed. But he was so pumped about his chicken recipe, he went door to door. Because at this point, he was 62 years old. You got to think, he's 62. That's his retirement. Didn't work. But he knew his recipe was badass. So he went door to door to every single chicken res- restaurant and said, listen, I don't even want you to pay me for my recipe. I just want you to pay me a piece of the profit from every piece of chicken you sell with this recipe. And of course, they're like, you look like Santa Claus from the summer. Get out of here. What is the, what does this do? The Santa Claus of the South. I have my own chicken recipe. It took him 1,009 no's before he got his first yes. Now, that's just to show you, when you have no other options, you don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. How many of us would have quit? And you guys have heard me say this before, at 50 or 100 or 5 or 10 or 1. How many of us would get our first one or two no's and be like, okay, this isn't going to work because they can't handle rejection? I, I, I think I could have made it to 1,000. I really do because I'm tenacious as shit. But... I wouldn't, I want to stop there. I would have like, that's my number, you know? And, and here he is now, Kentucky Fried Chicken, massively. I believe he sold it for $2 million in, uh, when he was 73 years old in 19, 1964. So only 12 years later, which would be worth about $16.5 million today. He went from being broke off his ass, failed business, to being a multimillionaire. And it, it took less than a decade. Now, he originally, he later became an ambassador for Kentucky Fried Chicken, kept the rights to most of the Canada uh, locations. Uh, he ended up disliking how the guys ran the company afterwards because he was obviously a perfectionist. Um, you don't you don't get into entrepreneurship unless you're obsessed with the perfection. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Now, if you guys have seen the Apple movies, I've got the job. I got three different Jobs movies. Steve Jobs movies are saved on my Voodoo account that I watch on airplanes. I always have them downloaded and I have the movie The Founder too. Uh, Michael Keaton does a phenomenal job playing Ray Kroc. You need to watch these movies because if these are the these are the startup stories of people doing nothing. Now I know you think like Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, like Apple. Oh, they invented something new. I'm not going to invent something. I get it, but these stories are a dime a dozen. There's thousands of these stories, and I'm just showing you can do something if you have an idea and we're only give it a shot. I believe that they so they were they both left their respective colleges. They started Apple Computer in uh, Steve's parents' garage. If you've seen the movies, it'll show you the same thing, but it's actually true. Um, they were literally had to find a co-signer for a bank loan for $250,000. Um, this is after they put all their few thousand dollars cash they had in making the parts in the first place and got a few deals to make computers. So they actually got their first deals to make them. Uh, from some wholesalers before they even had the money to buy the parts, which is how they secured that $250,000. Now, Apple's their first was the first company to hit the trillion dollar market cap ever. And also the first company in, within two years later during this economy to hit a $2 trillion market cap. So like they broke the record twice and doubled. It's just insane. And I mean, my whole family's an Apple family. Like that's just, I, I love the products. I love the concept. Um, even though Steve Jobs had passed away, um, and he's eluding me right now, the name of the CEO, Tim Cook. You know why Tim Cook got named as Steve Jobs' successor? Because he was the only, he's the one who fired Steve Jobs originally before Steve came back and took over the company. Because he's the only one that had enough balls to stand up to Steve. So that's why he's a good fit. And that's why Steve named him on his deathbed as the next CEO and chairman of, of Apple Computers. So uh, William Reddington Hewlett and David Packard. So Hewlett Packard. These two entrepreneurs founded Hewlett Packard in a one-car garage in Palo Alto, California. Yeah, the same place where skaters, the, the whole skate community came from back in the 80s. And yes, I was a skater. I was a fat, fat kid skater, which made my balance sucked. So anyways, long story. Um, they started the company during a fellowship they had with a professor they had worked with at Stanford University. Their original capital investment was $538. 
Yet, I guarantee 99% of you when I say the name Hewlett Packard understand computers, that is a household name worldwide. They started with $538 while they were in school. John Pembleton. So, uh, Pemberton was wounded in the American Civil War. It's great. Started Coke, which eventually led him to develop the idea of Coca Cola. Pemberton owned a drugstore in Georgia. There he developed his French wine coca nerve tonic, which was meant to be a substitute for morphine, the drug he originally took to treat pain in his, with his war injuries. He later changed the recipe to non alcoholic version as his county passed prohibition legislation. And the non alcoholic version is what was eventually called and became Coca Cola. So, the reason I tell that story is because, yeah, it was a long time ago. He took drugs he had taken from his injury, tried to find a home remedy for it so people could still get their little bit of high and pain relief at home. Could have been belly up on that deal as they passed prohibition. Instead, took an obstacle, turned it into something positive, and now we, I mean, I can't tell you how many cans of Diet Coke go through my house with three daughters and my wife. It's insane. So, these stories are all... I mean, you can look these things up. Just type in entrepreneurs who became billionaires or successful on shoestring budgets, and you're going to have a lot of them pop up. You not, you might not relate to a lot of them. You just need one to relate to to not give up. I know a lot of entrepreneurs right now, a lot of business owners are giving up. Your business might go belly up, and it might be out of your hands. Um, and this is me speaking to the heart of the people who follow me. And a lot of you have messaged to me. I've had, I can't tell you how many hundreds of messages that Brittany and I have literally shed tears over of the businesses that have been shut down due to nothing of their fault whatsoever because of regulations, pandemic closures, you name it. Um, and I get it. I'm there. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're there with you. We get it. We feel your pain. Um, it's not your fault and there's not shit you can do about it. But if you have that spirit, if you have that spirit of an entrepreneur, somebody who's going to make their passion their paycheck, somebody who's not going to just take a nine to five, but actually wants to take their destiny in their own hands, you need to look at the opportunities that are around you and find a new path. It may not be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. It's the same thing I told about last week and the week before about Redbox. Like I was obsessed with Redbox when they first came back, came out, and I want to say it was mid 2000s ish, sometime around there. I'm like, this is brilliant. This is genius. Goodbye, Blockbuster, which they did. And all the family videos. And here comes Redbox. I can't believe I didn't. I should have invested in this. I had an idea like this. Blah, 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 blah. These guys are going to be quadrabillionaires. And within five, six years, they they were killing it. We run into them all the time. Streaming video, higher broad, broadband internet came out. And now who even... I don't even have a DVD player in my house that I know of. I'm sure there is one. I just have no idea where it is. And it's funny because now everything I have is in the cloud and I download them directly to my phone. I think before you couldn't save 20 pictures to your phone and you'd fry that bastard. I know you did it in high school. You guarantee you all that first phone with all four gigs of memory. Now this thing came with like 512 gigs of memory. For, I have massive phones. So I have like 40 movies saved on there along with podcast episodes and whatnot. So I don't even need it. And the rest of it's in the cloud streams directly to my TV, multiple devices. I, Redbox is obsolete. They're still there. There's still people using them, but I mean, well, you can buy a brand new TV for now compared to when my dad bought his first plasma. I could say this because he doesn't watch the show. Oh, uh, I think my dad bought his first plasma. It's probably a 40 inch, which was flat screen. We're like, oh my God, this is the coolest shit ever. I think I was in high school. I think he spent like $2,500 on this damn thing. You can go buy a 40 inch LED TV. It weighs about three pounds for about a hundred bucks right now. We have Black Friday. They'll probably give them away free door prizes. I remember years ago when half you stooges, and no, this was never me. 
waiting outside Target the day, like on Thanksgiving Day, starting at 10 a.m., 10 p.m., drinking your ass off with your with your spiked coffees, waiting to get that deal to spend 600 bucks on a 40-inch TV that had probably was a 720p, and you thought it was the greatest deal. And I know how stupid we all feel now that this shit is like give, being given away. And everybody already knows it's just going to get cheaper next year. I just find it funny that like all these things have changed. So the point of it is that what you think is your reality right now, that's just based on your perception. If you've had to go belly up, if you've had to shut down and you, you still have that entrepreneur spirit, you need to change your perception and look for opportunity right now. Yes. Mass mandates in Omaha have straight up kicked my ass in my corporate locations here in town. No ifs, ands or buts about it. I'm not. And it was funny. I saw my family last weekend and they're like, are you serious? I go, people don't, they go to Amazon when they don't want to shop with a mask and Generally speaking, most people want to shop with a mask. A 23% drop in 60 days is the biggest drop I've ever seen in 10 years. And that's the thing. And that's what it is. They go to Amazon. I can't compete with that platform. And I'm jealous as hell. I'm not going to badmouth them. They're making the money because people, it's easy, but that's out of my hands. But I'm looking at it as opportunity. So like today, my wife is working a store. I'll work a store this afternoon. We'll both work stores tomorrow. Where I'm giving my managers the opportunity to go out for two hours in each one of our locations to go out and market, shake hands, and kiss babies. Because in the end, I know that relationships are what keep businesses thriving and keep repetitive business. And so when this pandemic is over, and it will be over, whether we come up with a cure or not, people are going to have enough. I bet within the next 90 days, regardless of who wins the election, people are like, fuck it. It's, it's going to happen. You all know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. It's already happening. I see it massively. Um, but that we're going to be the last one standing. People want to go back. They're going to want to shop. They're going to be sick. They're already sick of being stuck in their houses. They're sick of just getting packaged on the door. They're sick of not having customer service. And we're going to be the one there that was out there grinding in the times when everyone thought it was crazy that they said there was no opportunity and money was down. We have doubled down. I've looked, my perception is I'm taking advantage of the fact that almost all my competitors were bankrupt and we're thriving and we're opening more. I'm looking for communities where all the stores closed. Um, Waterloo, Iowa, it's like 70 some thousand people. And there is, I don't think there's even a nutrition store. Uh, Council Bluffs, there's no nutrition store. I'm looking at right now as an opportunity that will exponentially expand because the, the fields have been cleared and no one else is willing to do the work right now because they're not going to see immediate payout. I know the payout comes in 90 days, 180 days, 365 days. And I'm willing to do the work now so that I can read the rewards later. So the moral of the story, don't give up. If this ruined your soul and, and you just don't want to be an entrepreneur anymore and you want to go work a nine to five, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to have a good audit of yourself, look in the mirror, and what's going to make you happy, what's going to feed your soul, what's going to feed your family, and focus on that. Thanks again for watching the Now or Never podcast. Again, go to timrexis.com. You can get links to all the episodes. If you guys have questions, the topics you want me to cover, uh, go to that website and fill out the submission form. You go to rexiusnutrition.com. It's sales at rexiusnutrition.com. And you can email in questions, topics, answers. It goes to my staff and me, and they'll give me the questions. Um, also, fair warning, mad love to all of you. I get thousands of messages. So please do not get upset with me if I do not respond to you specifically, even if you message me 1,900 times. Remember, I have three companies. I have six kids, three dogs. My kids are and my wife are my world. My relationship with God, my wife, and my children 
and my companies in that order will come first because that's where my loyalties lie. That's my honor code. I want to help everyone. My goal in life is to bring everyone up with me, as many people as possible, and and I want to help every one of you, but please be respectful. I have staff in every company that is willing to help you. They're badass. I surround my people. You heard me talk about my circle. These are people who are in my circle, which means they share the same mentality. You message the gyms, you're going to get Steve and Nick. You message Rexis, you're going to get Cody and Shane and JD. You're going to get all these great people. You message VHI, you're going to get Cody and Callie and Brittany. Just be patient, please. Just it's a, a forecast forewarning. I've had some. I've had some seriously crazy shit lately. People getting very upset, realizing that I half time was my messenger. I signed me. I had an assistant answering the messages and I had to tell him stop pretending to be me. Because <laughs> I mean, you're, yeah, I don't do hearts and kissy faces. If that comes, that's not for me, guys. So, anyways, thank you. Uh, have a kick-ass week. We'll see you guys next week. Story is you and you, and I am me. Just be I'm a gentleman, now I'm settled in Even when they said don't let them in I said guess again, what's the way? I walk into a room and everybody stare Godfather-like presence, everybody know I'm here Stepping right into my office, pouring bearing on the rocks Toast To the homies that could never see the light And the haters that forever see my ghost What a night, huh?